This is an EO APAC production, and the Phoenix is rising. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Phoenix Rising as we travel around APAC to learn from fellow EO entrepreneurs on their lessons through pivot and change in their lives. Today, it's my honour to talk to the current president of EO Vietnam, who has been with EO for more than 10 years, Lars Jankowski. Originally German, but spent a very significant part of his life in Vietnam. Lars is a technology geek, being founding CTOs of various companies and in 2002, co-founded NFQ, an organization that helps businesses with project-based IT outsourcing. And I'm going to let him talk to you more about his business a bit later. Now, he's also a keynote speaker at various technology conferences and a technology advisor. Lars was once named top 10 people in German e-commerce. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Lars Jankowski. Hey Lars, welcome to the show. Thank you, Raymond. Thanks a lot for the very nice introduction. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 very uh, it's not very often that I can speak to a German, uh, half German, half Vietnamese in that sense, right? <laughs> well, I'm still trying to learn Vietnamese, but it's really, really difficult for me. I'm struggling. <laughs> Nobody understands me. <laughs> okay. And Lars, I guess the first question to you is this. You know, while researching about today's podcast, I found several YouTube videos. So you're you're pretty much a YouTube star there. And you were talking a lot about your talks about teaching entrepreneurs, about making technology as part of their business. So that everyone is aligned, could you maybe share with us what exactly your business does? Yeah, uh, thanks. Um, and I have to, to give you a small correction. So for sure, NFQ is doing project-based uh, IT outsourcing, but our main business is more like building high-performance teams, remote teams which think and feel like they would be your employees and then later can be acquired. Uh, that's, that's the main. Because the war of talent worldwide is really ongoing and it's really difficult to build teams. And so what we are doing is we just offer a very convenient and risk-free way of creating your remote team. Whereas if you would do it yourself, you need to avoid all the pitfalls of opening mm. up your own company in a, in a foreign country. Wow. And that's very interesting. So what you're saying is that because of the talent strain that is coming or that's already here, so you provide that avenue for companies to remove that strain? Or how does that work? Kind of, yeah. I mean, well, the the, the talent strain has been here. NFQ is uh, more than 20 years old. Uh, NFQ Asia now, uh, seven years. So there has been a, a, a talent strain for, for the last 20 years. So never been enough engineers, good ones. But now due to COVID, things accelerated a lot because more and more people really understand that you need to digitalize your business. You really need to move forward. You can't ignore it. Because otherwise, like if people are in a lockdown, they can't come into your shop, you won't sell anything. It's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in the technology business as well, right? And I think for the last almost 20 years, we've been trying to convince businesses to go tech and to go digital. And a lot of our clients said, no, 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 it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly okay. And it took one pandemic to just go boom from 20% up to 80%, right? So I can kind of relate to you why you're saying that there's going to be a talent strain with regards to technology. So 
understanding that, how does businesses then pivot or you want to say make this change to be able to go towards technology? And how do you fall into to the picture? Oh man, you, you know, you this podcast is what, 15 minutes? I could talk about that for hours. Uh, that's a completely different topic. How, how you, I mean, in a nutshell, I've been, I've been doing a, a talk in Ho Chi Minh City um, in front of the German Business Association, which was quite controversial because everybody expected me to talk about you need to do this technology and you need to do that technology and so on. But what I said and what most people didn't want to hear is that the shift is a shift in the mindset and it starts in the heads of the founders, C-level of the company. And this is where most of the time the problem is. And I told that to all these executives um, having companies all around Vietnam and they didn't like it. They thought like I give them a recipe and tell them, oh yeah, you just go to the cloud or you buy this product and everything will be good. But unfortunately not. People need to understand how they can transform the business, the chances and the dangers of the new world. And most like old kind of like old-minded people, managers who are doing their stuff for 20, 30 years, they don't really understand that the digital world out there is completely different and can't be compared. You can be the biggest company offline, but you're an absolute no-name online. And that's very difficult for them to understand. And I think a lot of the businesses feel that um, because they've been operating for so many years, they have this brand, right? And they, they have been selling to many people, that they just have to create a website and put an e-catalog e somewhere and their business will just continue. And what you're saying is that it's not, a, it's not, not just that. It's a whole well, mindset shift. Exactly, yeah. To embrace the new world, to understand the opportunities, understand the dangers, and then find your, your sweet spot and capture and go for it. And there are a couple of uh, companies who do that really, really well and they strive. And others, uh, well, I don't want to bore you with some German examples, but there are big, big, big players in brick and mortar who just went out of the business uh, even before COVID. So that means that every business will need to think about technology now in some form or another. But I'm going to come back to that question right at the end. Okay, Lars, hang on to your thoughts there. I want to talk about your business I'm sure you are not spared from this whole pandemic as well. So was, was your business affected in this pandemic? Like a lot of people has gone through changes and pivots. Oh, certainly. I mean, when COVID hit last year, um, nobody knew what is going to happen. The majority of our clients, they kind of like panicked and just freezed all their budgets. So what happened is that suddenly like half of our clients were like, okay, we don't know, uh, we don't want to continue or can we just hold? And others were like, okay, we want to continue, but our clients hold. So can you please uh, decrease your costs or can we go through this crisis together? There were a lot of these. So we didn't know what's going to happen. So we came together and, in, in our board of directors and discuss what we should do. And I'm a big fan of acting, thinking through, but then acting swift and fast. So what we did is we uh, did a couple of things. First of all, we assured our employees 
that we will not let go anybody uh, mm. due to COVID. And second, that we also not cut the salary. A lot of companies in Vietnam, they were just like, okay, COVID, you cut the salary by 50%, some even up to 80% cut. Yeah, we didn't do that. What we did is we impl immediately implemented a salary cut in the BOD. Mm. Not sure if my employees know that, but if they listen to this podcast, then they will know it. So we did that uh, just to have a little bit of more buffer because we wanted to make sure that our employees are good, in, especially in times of uncertainty. Mm. Second, then we were working together with our clients and uh, went into a dialogue and said, like, oh, what can we do together? Yeah. So we can reduce maybe our prices for a time, but what do we get for it? And we just as partners uh, went through this crisis. And third, then I was thinking like, what are the chances? I'll give you one example. Real estate or office space is really, really expensive in Ho Chi Minh City. Very expensive. And we have our office in one of the most expensive buildings right in the center. And there are long-term contracts. And the Vietnamese government, they implemented a force majeure mm -hmm. clause, which allowed us to actually have our office space without any damages. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really good for us. So we could have our cost immediately. Because anyway, the most people were in the lockdown. Uh, so we didn't need so much office space. And all these, and we tried and see, saw uh, all these measures helped us to create a buffer to, to go through the crisis. And then luckily, and, and I, I want to say I feel blessed because in IT, we're on the sunny side of COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. Then once this like initial shock reaction fell away, uh, business sped up, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, that helped us a lot to, to recover. And then later, like recently even, um, what we did is we rented a complete new office. Uh, so actually, to, to give you a little bit of numbers for... Cheaper office? Uh, yeah, no, not cheaper, but I had ah. 800 square meters. Uh, and for the price of 800 square meters, I have now my own building with two and a half thousand square meters. Wow. Because for sure, COVID did decrease the prices. So we used that also as a chance to expand. It sounds to me like uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunities in crisis. And you took one of those opportunities, which is the real estate part of it. I also heard you with regards to the people side of it. You made a decision to say, we're not going to cut anyone's salary. We're going to keep everybody. And I guess you did that for morale purposes. You wanted to make sure that people felt safe. Absolutely. I mean, nobody knew. I mean, when COVID was new, everybody thought like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Are we all going to die? And as a company or as a CEO, we, we can't really influence the personal life of our employees. But there's one thing what we can do. We can make sure that they feel safe from the financial side, that they know we have their backs and they get their pay paycheck on time. They always got it on time. And they don't need to worry about it. And that is something which most people think is a given, but unfortunately it's not. It's not in, especially not in Asia, but also not in Europe. Absolutely not. Wow. You did that. And if I understand correctly, Lars, you, your business actually grew? Yeah, yeah. I mean, before COVID, early last year, we were around 
200 people and now we are 320 or something so wow so yeah. the, the pandemic did do wonders for the business but it was because you took steps to maintain the people or what do you think was the reason for that growth let me say like this like in it uh, right now, there is so much work. It's not really difficult to find clients. The real challenge is to find and retain the people. And this is where we really, really invest a lot. I mean, I'm not saying we are super good and there's a lot of things we can improve, but we've been voted three years in a row among the top 10 best IT employers in all over Vietnam. And it was a real, real rating and not something where we paid off someone. Yeah, oh, that's important. All these prices, yes. So I'm really proud of that. It's it's really difficult to to actually keep people happy and and understand what their needs are and keep them safe, especially in such a time. Can I ask? Because you 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 mentioned the words uh, keeping people happy. I can't imagine the word happiness relating to the word pandemic. Maybe can you share? I, I don't think I was reading the news. I'm not sure whether people actually know what's happening in Vietnam right now with regards to COVID. Mind sharing what what's happening in Vietnam at this point in time? Uh, no, I mean, in, in a nutshell, it's horrible. So Vietnam was doing really, really well containing the uh, pandemic for quite a while. We were blessed while others, uh, EO members and uh, countries couldn't do uh, in-person events. We were the ones, we said like, why we do party, we do Christmas party in person. We did, it was great. But then Delta came and things changed. And Delta went out of control. It's simply not containable. And right now, Vietnam is struggling. The official numbers are around 12, 15,000 a day cases, which is not that bad. I want to be to be very clear. Vietnam really tests a lot more than a million tests a day. They're wow. really doing an excellent job uh, to containing uh, the pandemic. However, they struggle. And so we had a couple of months of lockdown. So you're not supposed to go out, but you still can go to the shop. Uh, you can't meet. You can't go in the office. So we have this brand new office now for a couple of months, and no employee ever has seen it from the inside, which is really, really sad. And a month ago, then things got worse and the Vietnamese government decided to implement, at least in Ho Chi Minh City, a 24-7 curfew and deploy the military on the street. The military on the street, but and this is kind of cute, I want to share that, because you think like military on the street is like, oh my God, you're going shot if you go out. <laughs> Nobody got shot, but I mean, you better not go out. You really cannot leave your house for whatever, which means wow. you can't go shopping. There's no delivery. So who goes shopping? The military. So the military soldiers actually delivering vegetables and food to your doorsteps. And they're in social media, really, really cute pictures of soldiers with guns delivering cabbage. Oh. And I love these pictures. It's, it's a great example of how the Vietnamese government take care of the people. Having said that, I just said a couple of months lockdown, plus now like super lockdown, where you really cannot go out for any reason. That's a huge mental strain. You're locked in. Mm -hmm. And if you're alone, it's super difficult. And then a lot of Vietnamese uh, live together with their parents, grandparents, which is on a way good because you're not alone. But I don't know. 
just talking about my parents, if I'm locked with my parents for three months in a condo, I'm not sure if <laughs> me or my parents would survive that. Oh. It's a different kind of stress. I can relate. I can relate. But that must not have been easy for your company, right? How, how do they operate? How, how, how did the people react to that? So it's very difficult. I mean, it's very, it's very difficult. And I feel, honestly, I feel a little bit helpless because I really don't know what we can do as a company to help. The one thing what we can do is we can make sure that the people are in work and that they get their salary and they don't have any financial worries there. Mm. Second, what we did also is we stockpiled some COVID medicaments. We stockpiled some O2 machines just in case, just in case if something happens. I don't think we are going to need that. Government is doing a great job, but I mean, better safe than sorry. But other than that, it's, it's really difficult. And so what people doing is they just focus on the work and work from home because that's a distraction and distract them from the current, because it's just a very, very dark and difficult time we all have to go through together. Yeah, I, I think a lot of uh, the mental strain, I've been talking to a lot of other business owners as well. And I think the most difficult part is um, how do you keep people still in the happy state, right? Everybody is working from home. And I can imagine, right, in Vietnam, you can't even go out. You can't even buy anything. You're confined to the four walls. I can't imagine... Uh, you know, how they go through as an employer, as a business owner as well. There's only so much you can do for them. Correct. Right. And it's really difficult. I So if anyone has good ideas, well, I do let me know. I'm very happy uh, to, to help. I, we organized uh, with the help of another EO member. We organized for some of the families of our employees, some hospital uh, beds, uh, which are also difficult to get. And th things like that. So we help. We talk to the people who, who are in families who where family members have COVID or they have COVID and we try to support them. But in the end, like we're we're just business people. Like I mean, I can be I, I can be a good friend or you can say like whatever you need, let me know. But I'm I'm not prepared for that kind of counseling, what people actually would need. So I really, really hope it's just a dark time. And Business-wise, I would say it's not a bad because people are not distracted. So output is quite good. People work a lot. Mm. Because this is what they distract from the current situation. And we just all have to wait. Yeah, And I'm not even in Vietnam, to be honest. I am outside of Vietnam because I can't get in. I, I could get in, but my fiancé couldn't. Okay, uh, where are you now? Oh, I, I'm in, in, in Thailand in, in, in the pocket sandbox in quarantine which is the nearest I could get. Yeah. So oh. I, I mean, I could go alone, but I mean, as you know, happy wife, happy life is not oh, a good obviously. idea. Yes, yes. Important. Very. <laughs> okay. Last um, final question I have for you today. So going back to what uh, we have seen in your business and going through this pandemic with so many different businesses, we talked about this earlier about every business having to embrace technology. What does a business owner have to do today in current times with regards to technology or anything else to really look at change? Well, as I said, it's a mindset change. And pretty much most, not all companies, but most companies need to embrace technology. 
and don't think you can just like, I don't know, order an app or order a website and this is it. Ideally, people have their in-house teams of software development. They start to understand their technology, they own their intellectual property, and they really can innovate. But for that, you need to be an attractive employer. And the war of talents is just starting. It has been ongoing for the last 20 years, but boy, I tell you, it's going to be really brutal what's coming over the next one or two years. I see it. People pay like $100,000 headhunting fee for one developer. People paying double salary, even in Vietnam, Vietnamese, Vietnamese startups now pay double salary. That has been the case uh, two years ago when American startups, who are a lot of money, hit the market. They said like, oh, I don't care. Let's say average, average uh, uh, costs of, an, of a developer is like two, three thousand dollar, and then they pay. Oh, I pay six thousand. I pay eight thousand. I don't care for the really good bit. Suddenly, the Vietnamese do that. So it's going to be increasingly difficult. So you need to attract people. You need to understand that being an attractive employer for software developers, having an attractive product and a good idea and a vision people want to implement with you is the core. But for that, every leader need to understand IT and need to understand the chances and have a vision. It's, you just can't order something. It's like, okay, we also go online. Let's order a shop or let's order an app and that's it. Because then you're just me too. And you won't be really good. And you certainly won't be an attractive employer for any tech people. Wow. Thanks, Lars. You know, uh, that, that's such a great word, right? Or two words, uh, being an attractive employer. I think as this world is moving towards technology and embracing technology, we really can't just think about the technology, right? And I wanted to just say thank you, Lars, for coming on this show today to really share about the mindset of an entrepreneur now moving forward. And it's not just about creating a website. It's not just about creating an app. It's about the talent it's about being the attractive employer to be able to make sure that people would want to work for us and not the only thing is about us paying double or triple salary because that is not sustainable. Others will do that too. It's not enough. Yeah. So thank you so much, Lars, for talking to me today. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been me and Lars Jankowski from NFQ. President of EO Vietnam today, talking about the world of technology and how we as businesses need to embrace it. Thank you so much, Lars, for coming. Thank you, Raymond, for the chance to talk. You've been listening to an EO APAC production. If you enjoyed today's episode, do hit subscribe and share it with your friends and family. I look forward to sharing with you the next story of a phoenix rising.